for her. Gone shopping with Smitty. Don't fix supper for me. Love, Kay. Disappointed, Maggie moved to Katie's room. Clothing lay everywhere. Seventeen years of memories were here. Why had Katie chosen Northwestern University, not the U here instead? To get away from a mother who hadn't been the most cheerful company during the past year? Feeling tears build, Maggie turned away, determined to make it through the rest of the day without breaking down. She marched straight to her closet, pulled out Philip's beloved Seahawk sweatshirt, and buried it in one of Katie's bags of discards. Back in her own room, she looked closely at herself. She looked like a 40-year-old scarecrow. Since Philip's death, she dropped from a size 12 to a size 8, lost a full bra size, and her hair had lost its luster because she never ate right anymore. After 15 seconds of self-pity, she spun from the room and headed for the kitchen. Then the dreaded tears came. Damn you, Philip, why did you go on that plane? You should be here now. We should be going through this together. But Philip was gone, and Katie soon would be. And what then? A lifetime of suppers alone? Two days later, Maggie stood beside Katie's car, watching her daughter stuff one last tote bag behind the seat. The car was new, expensive, a convertible paid for with a minute fraction of the insurance money from Philip's death. There, that's it. Thanks for everything, Mom. The reality of parting crowded in. They'd grown so close in the last year since Philip's death. I'd better go, Katie said quietly. Yes, you'd better. Oh, Mom, Katie dove into her mother's arms, clinging hard. I'm going to miss you. I'll miss you too, honey. Katie started the engine. I love you, Mom. I love you too, Maggie tried to say, but only her lips moved. The car purred away, leaving a last memory of a young girl's hand waving out the open window. Left behind in the quiet, Maggie gripped her arms and walked around the silent house. I will get through this day, and the next will be easier, and the next easier yet. On the front step, she sat, huddled and cold, afraid, lonely, despairing. She made it through that first day by going to Woodenville High School and puttering around the home ec rooms. The prospect of another year of teaching the same thing she'd been teaching for 15 years seemed as pointless for cooking for only one. In the afternoon, she returned to the permanently empty house. She called the hospital to check on Tammy and learned that her condition was still critical. She wandered into the study and sat in Philip's large green chair, pressing her head against its padded back as he often sat. If she'd had Philip's Seahawk sweatshirt, she'd have put it on. So instead, she dialed Nelda. The phone rang without an answer. She tried Diane, but it rang and rang uselessly. She thought about her mother, but the thought brought a shudder. Only when all her other possibilities were exhausted did Maggie remember Dr. Feldstein's prescription. Call old friends. The older, the better. Hmm, but who? The answer came as if preordained. Brookie. The name brought a flash of vivid memory. Glenda Holbrook was Maggie's closest friend from first grade through high school. In the third grade, they'd received scoldings from the principal for breaking off Timothy Ostmeyer's front tooth during an acorn fight. 
In fifth grade, they'd been caught by Miss Hartman during noon recess with Dixie cups inside their blouses. She'd heard Glenda saying, If we had titties like this, we could probably be movie stars. In senior high, they'd been cheerleaders, had double-dated, and had shared a thousand teenage confidences. Brookie and Maggie, friends forever, they'd thought back then. But Maggie had gone to Northwestern University in Chicago, married Philip, and moved to Seattle. While Glenda attended beauty school in Green Bay, married a cherry grower, bore six of his children, and had never cut hair in a beauty shop again. Call Brookie? And say what? What could they possibly have in common anymore? Out of mere curiosity, Maggie selected H in her telephone index. Sure enough, it was still there. On impulse, Maggie picked up the phone and dialed. Hello? Glenda Kirshner? Yo. Maggie was already smiling.